Hi, this is Daniil Hartman and Yossi Klein Halevi from the Shalom Hartman Institute, and this is our podcast, For Heaven's Sake, our special edition, Israel at War, Day 143. And before we get into today's subject, I personally and Yossi, I know you do as well, we want to thank all of you, our, our listeners, our loyal listeners who've, who've been our community since this war started. And the people who we talk to and, and indirectly are influenced by, also directly through your writing. And because of you, this podcast, this series, has become the number one podcast in the English-speaking Jewish world, United States, Canada, Britain, Australia, Australia, sometimes South Africa. And very often episodes become number two or three in Israel. So it's very gratifying. We walk together and we appreciate the fact that this is a format and a framework within which you find meaning. And for some of you, some comfort. And for others, a lot of challenge. And that more or less is where we are as a people. And that leads us to today's subject, Rafa or Rafiach, the last section of Gaza, which has yet to be controlled by the army, taken over. Troops have yet to invade that area. It's also where 1.4 million Gazans now reside. All those who were in the north and the center, the humanitarian corridors, sent everybody down south. It's also where our hostages are. It's where Sinwar is, hopefully, unless he's now in Egypt or somewhere else. It's the last stand of, we're not sure what. Rafa, Rafiach, we'll use the word Rafa, um, is an inflection point almost for everything that's happened in the war. On October 8th, our desire to win, our declaration of our moral right to win, has all come down now to Rafa. Without Rafa, Prime Minister says, there is no victory. Because we know they're still there. The organization is still in power. The terrorists are all there. The tunnels are there. What have we achieved? The hostages are there. There might be a hostage deal, we don't know, but they're there. Do we just leave them? Do we not? The humanitarian crisis that we started to understand later than the rest of the world, but it's also coming to it. Like, you can't avoid the humanitarian crisis anymore. If you go into Rafa, what are you going to do? What does it mean to move people back north? Do you have an infrastructure back north? What are you going to do? There's people. And in many ways, Rafa also is an inflection point for the world. We spoke about the shifting attitudes of the world towards the war, but even our greatest friends on October 8th, even those who continue to support us throughout these last 140 days, the United States, which vetoes a resolution calling for a ceasefire, they're saying, don't go into Rafa. This is a bridge too far. This is the next stage, which will bring a catastrophe. So how we're going to think about Rafa? How do we engage in the next number of days? The army is preparing military plans. Everything is moving forward. It's almost as if everything is coming to a head right now. 
Rafa is now the encapsulation of the whole war, where it's going to go and how history will judge it. So when you think about Rafa, this city, this reality, all the packages, all that's involved, how do you understand it and how do you think about it? So, Daniel, I really appreciated the way you framed the dilemma. And for me, this is a moment of decision. And we are facing a choice between, on the one hand, the achievement of the goals of this war that have appeared elusive all these months. And you and I have debated whether victory is even possible anymore. And now suddenly it seems one last push. We have Hamas cornered. Maybe victory is really in reach. And at the same time, maybe a far-reaching hostage deal is in reach. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, the terrifying possibility of the humanitarian crisis intensifying in ways that we can't imagine. The UN is, is warning about widespread hunger and disease, tens of thousands of additional casualties. And we know that if we go into Rafah, we may well lose the support of our last allies. And so we're standing before the moment of decision. So what do you decide? What do you decide? Where to, are you? Like, our job isn't to be prophets. I don't, maybe that question wasn't fair, so let me pull it back. No, where, it's where I am personally. No, That's it's not a even fair where question. You are, it's not even where you are personally. I don't know if I've said this over the last months. When you ask somebody today in Israel, how do you feel? What you mean is the last hour. Because <laughs> otherwise, That's people right. give you this four-hour answer. How do I feel? Well, it depends. Personally, <laughs> collectively, and so this is good. It's just such so a thing. No, no, no. I'm just talking to you for the last hour. How are you feel? So where right now, because it changes all the time. There's yes. You and I literally are on top of the news right now where we are with no guarantee for the next two hours or three hours. Given these four constellations right now. What decision? Where are you? Okay. What's weighing you? Are all right, you more? So first of all, tactically, I think we need to keep threatening that we're going in. Mm -hmm. And that's to get a better deal on the hostages. And that's clearly Benny Gantz's approach. I think, but, by the way, Netanyahu, I know you don't like to do this, but I, he deserves some credit some of the time. <laughs> don't, uh, don't worry. Just, just, do, just let me say that, and I'll go on. Daniel, <laughs> say it, but you know, in my answer to your question, he factors in. I appreciate that. He does, because when he speaks about total victory in his bombastic way, that's when I begin to think, well, maybe victory really isn't See, I'm possible. not sure that that's not a posturing towards Hamas as well. Okay, but our issue is All not right. Netanyahu. No, 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 but it is in terms of factoring but like this in. this notion what, that if the war is continuing, Hamas, we're going to move in, okay. what do you want to do? If there really is a chance of destroying Hamas's capability of governing in the morning after, I say we go in. I take a deep breath, and hopefully there'll be competent measures in place to deal with the humanitarian crisis. And in terms of losing our allies, deep you, breath time. Deep, deep breath. breath time. You know, first of all, I appreciate that. For me, Rafa is less the moment of decision between values. It's both my fantasy and my nightmare at the same time. Throughout the war from October 8th, we've had the fantasy that we could win. And I love that fantasy. 
And it's really important for me in my life here in Israel. Part of the way we get through the day is with that hope. And it doesn't have to be messianic hope as I presented it in the past. It's just hope that maybe there could be some victory, even if it's not all that victory. That we won't have a genocidal regime but on you're our border. Always, you're going to have something. Yes. Yeah, but maybe yes. not. You're, you're not going to have a genocidal regime on the border, correct? Something. But we're holding on to some aspiration for victory. And I want to tell you, I don't even know if it's anymore the genocidal enemy on the border. I don't know if it's also not very deeply psychological, that we need a victory to heal the wounds of October 7, to heal our trauma, to heal our fear, some victory that will give us an ability to have a different myth of stability. There's a myth of stability. I need a myth. And we all know we create myths. Or that will give the residents of the southern border a psychological framework for Something. returning to their home. Even though, as one of them said to me, would you go back? <laughs> you know, so I could have a myth of stability for them, which might not be that, which is, there's something immoral about that or problematic about that. But I think we're trying to bring something to a closure. And the tantalizing fantasy of Rafa, it's the last place. Like, we thought we were going to get it the minute they moved into Aza City. Shifa Hospital. Was right. this? You remember? Right. Yeah, Do yeah. you remember? I think it was day, I don't know, 650. We got them. We got them. <laughs> we got, oh, and what, what did we find? Yeah. Command and control bunkers and 16 uh, Kalashnikovs. So it was like, I remember, like, I wanted that closure. So I'm worried, you know, Rafa, it's like, oh, maybe. And so we, we quote facts and it's true. Because if Hamas is becoming more moderate in its demands on a hostage deal, it's not because all of a sudden it's discovering that, yes, Pidyon Shvuim, returning hostages, is a value in the Jewish tradition, and therefore we want to allow Jews to live a more full Jewish life. The only reason why they're doing it is if we are literally threatening and squeezing them to a place that they, even a 60-day ceasefire could be critical, and in those contexts, many things could happen. So there's something about this possibility that I want to hold on to. And people ask me, Daniil, so in light of everything that you've said, are you for a ceasefire? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I wrote in, in my article in the forward. I don't know. That was a terrific piece, by the way. Thank you. I wasn't searching for no, a compliment. No, 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 but, but I'm, saying, but I'll it, take I'm it. saying it because I want to emphasize that people should read it. Thank you. But uh, um, I don't know. Someone said, why don't you know? Because I don't know. Because I don't know if a little more work in Rafa, what they call destroying the last brigades of Hamas, will be critical or will give Israeli society, and you want to know something, but I don't want to admit, will also give me some psychological closure, some feeling that mm, we can go on. So for me, Rafa has this fantasy, but increasingly, and I've been feeling this more and more, and here I am, I'm more in tune with much of our audience who lives outside of Israel and less of the audience or the population in Israel. As you know, the humanitarian crisis, civilian casualties, we need to give an accounting. This, we cannot continue to fight this war without even talking about this. I'm not saying that these people were killed unjustly. I, I'm not even going there. But to not talk about it, to not struggle with it, 
And when I look at Rafa, and I look at the over a million people who are there in tent cities and hunger, like, what are your plans? You know, and so we could say, oh, don't worry. The army knows what it's going to do. The one thing I learned from October 7th or for the last 140 days is that on these issues, we are always unprepared. And we could come up with a plan and we appoint some system of distributing aid. It's not there. And I think Rafa is the place where we could no longer fight this war justly. This is the point where it's a just war, but we have to fight a just war justly and without much more serious engagement with the humanitarian crisis. The fantasy of that moment doesn't override the terror of a total moral collapse on the part of Israel and a suffering, an unjust suffering. We need real solutions, and we can't be just to tell us, I want to hear what they are. So Rafa is the moment where our moral credibility will be decided. That's or, how you're saying this. Where, you see, for me, it's not a public relations issue. No, no, I'm saying for ourselves. It's where our morality is going to be tested. Now, now Israeli society, stand up. Now, you said beforehand the corridors were enough, and corridors were a deal. It's a story. It's correct. When you're fighting a war, get civilians out. That's Maybe that was the best we could have done. Were there other things we could have done? We've also talked about that. But right now, how are you going to seriously deal with a million people? And they're not just disappearing. You need, what do you think, they're just moving? Do you know what type of infrastructure you have to create for people? Do you know what type of support? Do you know what it's like? I don't know what it's like. All I do, you know, we live privileged existences. But what does it mean to move back, to destroy territories? How do we, you think that's just a matter of a week? You think, oh, let's just move a million point two or four people. Let's move them three kilometers here. Daniel, I'm with you. The reason, the main reason that I think the Israeli public is not capable of that kind of essential conversation is because of the hostages. And I'm not saying that as a justification, but an explanation. But I, I'd like to go back to the earlier point you made before we lose it. And that is the need for a psychological closure. And I agree with you that the psychological dimension of this war is critical. But for me, it isn't so much internal, but external, toward the region, toward the Palestinian people, toward our enemies, Iran, Hezbollah, they need to understand that we are not the nation of October 7th. We're the nation of October 8th. But you, Yossi, said last week that you achieved that already. Ah, so... Before so, Rafa. Yes. No, no. So now what I'd like to do is actually offer some affirmation of a point you made earlier which is the question of whether we can begin to let go of the fantasy of a total victory, because maybe we've already won to some extent. And this is a really important part of this conversation. This morning, I read an interview with one of the Hamas leaders, Abu Marzuk, an interview he gave to Egyptian television, very important interview. And the interviewer was angry at him. He said, look at the devastation that October 7th has brought on Gaza. Do you have any regrets? Now, that's a very important question to be asking a leader of Hamas from 
an Arab journalist. That question in itself is an indication that we may have already inflicted enough devastation that the message has gotten across. Correct. His answer was very different from what he said in the past. In the past, he was all bluster. He said, we didn't expect this kind of barbaric Israeli response. Translation, we didn't expect that Israel would not honor our immunity behind the human shields of Gaza because it's worked every time in the past. We didn't expect Israel to go into hospitals in search of Hamas. We didn't expect them to go into mosques and and UN facilities. So what he's saying is maybe we have already achieved the psychological victory that I'm looking for, which is connected to restoring our deterrence. And so that's an important question that I'm asking myself before answering your question about Rafa. I appreciate that. Just like we're looking for a psychological victory, there's no doubt that Hamas was also looking for a psychological victory of some form. October 7th wasn't a, Israel wasn't destroyed, but in a world in which Israel is the evil, any defeat or harming of Israel is both a political, national, moral, and religious celebration. The last 143 days took away that sense of victory. You just look at Gaza. It cancels the victory, the massacre, the victorious massacre of October 7th. It's interesting. The hostage deal will return for Hamas some measure of a psychological victory. And we're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Right. And the question is whether, right. whether psychologically we could allow them to also have a psychological victory <laughs> or whether not allow them, we can tolerate it or is that intolerable? And that, I think that's... I don't know the answer to that. As I'm hearing you speak, a part of me is, is cringing. Is cringing. I know that. And I think that's deep down, that's the struggle in Israeli society, um, that we know bringing them home could be a profound closure that we need. Maybe that's all we need. There's but a the question is the, the other side. There's yeah. a slogan that's now on posters around the city. And the Tmunat HaNitzachon, the... Victory picture. The victory picture will be the return of the hostages. Right. And that's a powerful argument. It's For me, it's not enough of a victory picture, but I hear that. See, because maybe the difference, and this is a little difference between us. It's not an argument, but it's a difference. I'm thinking about the psychological healing of Israeli society after October 7th. And I'm going to assume that my enemy is still going to be there. And maybe I achieved the victory. But given their ideology, they're going to be back. That a significant military deterrence is not going to be the game changer for Iran. It might give us another 10 years. But you remember, they think in 100-year terms. So what we think is, oh, we return. They're thinking on on the categories that were – they're in the major leagues. We're still – there's something primitive about our notion of victory here. They have a long-term strategy and tactic. So I'm giving up on getting them to recognize that they have no psychological victory. I want to know how Israeli society heals. And the question is whether – Rafa is needed. Is it needed for us? And so I know that attaining that psychological closure does not justify a mass humanitarian crisis and civilian deaths. It just doesn't. And at some point, 
without the fantasy of victory or the hostage deal, and we have to let this play out maybe because maybe it's helping, we're going to have to sit down and say enough. There is an immediate strategic question. I agree with you that the psychological dimension is not enough of a justification for inflicting humanitarian disaster. There's a strategic dimension here. And that is, we are trying to negotiate a deal with Hezbollah where they'll move back from the border. If we don't negotiate that deal, there's going to be a war. The war is going to expand, and we know that's going to be the worst war that Israel has ever fought, both in terms of the home front and, and how that'll play out in Lebanon. How this war is perceived by Hezbollah will influence the trajectory of those negotiations. And so that's something else to throw into the mix. It's not only a question of deterrence and long-term uh, calculations. There is an immediate strategic consequence here. I, I don't think in those terms. So, and I'm not making my lack of thinking in those terms a virtue. It just, it's just describing. Because I don't know. It would be very hard for me to argue Rafa is going to make the difference to Nasrallah. Like, do we move in? Do we not move in? I, I don't know. There is a war going on in the north that is more or less hidden from the public eye. So I don't know. Or here I want to argue with it for a moment. Even psychologically, there's like there's this new strategic objective that we don't know for sure that it's there. It might be there. I'm telling you that it's there. And then behind that language, we go back to justifying something which at its core is not strategic. Because we could always, right. you know, if I you just you. get that next bridge, that's the strategic tipping point that we need. Right, and we've been there before. Uh, you yes, know, like, you're right, you're right. But when we think this through, we need to look at all of the elements at play. Because this is, if this really is a culminating moment, there are lots of consequences that need to be factored in, internal, regional, uh, international, and how one balances the other, how one plays out against the other. I, each of us is going to make our own calculations, but these are the elements that we need to consider. You know, and one of the things that I want to add to the conversation, and, and I want us to talk about it a little bit, is Rafa also could be the moment where Israeli society has to begin to understand that we don't get to fight a war in isolation from our allies and the world. When is it that we are going to internalize our dependency on the world, the dependency of our economy, our dependency on political allies, that Israel's military strength is not just whether we could come up with a plan Crucial for Rafa. Point. Crucial point. And so here, and Israelis yes. here too again, at the beginning, when do we acknowledge our place in the world and our interdependency? When they're helping us. When America comes and from the first day is sending tens and tens of huge transport planes with equipment. When we need, oh, of course, when the world is supporting us, oh, look, we're part of the world. We're the darlings of the world. We have world opinion. Our friends, our friends, our friends. The minute somebody comes up and says, oh, no, who said the world, they're anti-Semites. We don't need it. We're independent. And then we're allowed to say no. And all of a sudden, use the word bluster before. It's like, oh, there's boisterousness. It's this whole, this Rafa 
could change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not only the outcome of the war, but I think it is a moment where Israeli society is going to have to decide to what extent does the critique of the world of our war become an internal conversation which has yet to happen. The challenge that you're proposing to the Israeli psyche is to reconfigure our understanding of power. I think about the far right. And you know, Ben Gvir calls his party Jewish power. And he has such a childish notion of power. Power is military power. It's determination. It's all will. Well, power is a very complex web That includes an economic dimension. It includes our standing in the world. It includes our relationship with the diaspora, certainly with the United States. And somehow when the far right speaks about power, all of those other elements disappear. And it just becomes a game of risk, you know, (laughs) board game. And you're right. This is a moment when we need to have a serious conversation about power. Now, all of the issues that you've raised don't negate the fact that there are moments when one must go for military power and risk weakening those other elements. But if you don't factor in those other elements, you are not holding power responsibly. So, Rafa is a moment, really is a moment. Um, For you, it's a moment where different objectives, different values, different ends have to somehow fit in with each other. And for both of us, the hostages are a game changer and how that plays out. And I think for both of us, we would be willing to continue threatening Rafa, maybe doing small little minor incursions in order for Hamas to recognize we are serious because unless there is a fear component, the hostage deal is not going to happen. And that is a victory picture, one victory (laughs) picture, especially after the psychological deterrence that has been returned. So there is this Rafa as the moment when we have to choose and some really difficult choices, really difficult choices. And it'll be interesting if the hostages are returned, do we wait the 60 or 80, and do we still go into Rafa or do we re- We can leave that aside. For me, Rafa is not a moment where we have to decide between values. It's where we have to decide what are our values. And it's the moment where some painful decisions and conversations need to start. Maybe Rafa could be an inflection point, not merely for what the army's going to do and not merely what our politicians are going to decide, but whether Israeli society could begin the first process of some healing from October 7th and begin to have conversations, whether it's about power, whether it's about humanitarian um, crises, whether it is about how you fight a just war justly. So Rafa is the beginning of something that we're going to have to watch and our lives, Israel, the war is in many ways going to be determined by the choices we make in Rafa. This is, uh, for heaven's sake, Israel at war. Day 143, but really looking at the next two weeks as a critical moment, in, really in many ways in the whole war. Pleasure being with you, Yossi. Always. May things be okay.
You can now sponsor an episode of For Heaven's Sake, Israel at War. The link to donate can be found in the show notes or at shalomhartman.org forward slash for heaven's sake. We will acknowledge your gift on a future episode. For more ideas from the Shalom Hartman Institute about what's unfolding right now, sign up for our newsletter in the show notes or visit shalomhartman.org forward slash Israel at War.